Innalhamdulillah Nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'ufiruhu wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa sayyiyati a'malina man yahdihillahu falamudillalah wa man yudlil falahadiyalah wa ashadu an la ilaha illallahu wahdahu la sharika lah wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh amma ba'd so carrying on then with the chapter that we were on last week, we got to the hadith of Abu Sa'id radiyallahu anhu anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal latattabi'unna sunana man kana qablakum hadwa al-qudhati bil-qudhah hatta law dakhalu juhra dhabbin ladakhaltumu قالوا يا رسول الله اليهود والنصارى قال فمن أخرجاه In this hadith it mentions that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said that you will follow the sunan of those who came before you meaning the pathway the methodology, the practices of those who came before you, to the extent of the feathers that go onto an arrow, at the end of an arrow, those feathers that are on it, how they all resemble each other, this is an example being given of how much you will resemble them. Up until if they were to enter into the hole of a lizard, you would enter into it too. So they said, O Messenger of Allah, the Jews and the Christians, the Messenger said, Who else? <coughs> So here then, you see that the Prophet ﷺ begins the statement, The Lam at the beginning of this word is Lamu Qasm. فَهِيَ عَلَى تَقْدِيرُ وَاللَّهِ لَتَتَّبِعُنَّ وَأَكَّدَهُ بِالنُّونِ الثَّقِيلَةِ أَيْضًا there are two points of emphasis in how the messenger said this. The lam at the beginning indicates a qasm, indicates an oath being taken by Allah. And then, with the noon shadda at the end, also indicates emphasis. So it is as though the messenger is saying, By Allah, you will certainly follow in the path, in the ways of those who came before you. So the messenger didn't just say, you will follow in their path. Rather, the way that he phrased it was with two points of emphasis, not even just one an oath and an emphasis at the end. 
by Allah, you will certainly follow the path of those who came before you. Sanan, meaning the tariq, the pathway, the practices, the things that they used to do, you will follow in those ways. It is the feather that goes on to an arrow. In the olden days particularly, the arrows that they would fire, at the end of the arrow there are some feathers. At the end of the arrow, those feathers are all lined up similarly. They're all the same feathers, they resemble each other, such that if you took one and took another, they would be the same. The example is being given upon that. This is the level of resemblance that you will have to those who came before you. Just like those feathers off the edge of the arrow, how they resemble one another, the same feathers all look the same. Then to that level of resemblance you will end up following those who came before you. To the extent that if they were to crawl into the hole of a lizard, you would crawl into that also. الجحر بالضم هو السرب الذي يكون في الأرض ومنه جحر الضب لأنه يحفر جحرا من أعسر الجحور ومع هذا لو دخله اليهود والنصارى لكان في هذه الأمة من يفعل ذلك تقليدا لهم. And the reason why this example has been given the the tunnel that a lizard digs out for itself is because that tunnel that a lizard digs out is not a straight tunnel. It is mentioned that those tunnels are complicated styles of tunnels that they dig out. Yet with all of that complication and difficulty, if the Jews and Christians go into it, there will be those from this ummah along with all of the difficulty who will still go and do all of that. Indicating that despite the level of difficulty involved or the level of hardship involved or complication involved, no matter the level of those things involved, no matter what the affair is, how difficult or complicated or complex, you will end up following them and upon their path and what they did. وَقَدْ وَقَعَ مَا أَخْبَرَ بِهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ فَالتَّقْلِيدُ وَالتَّشَبُّهُ بِالْكُفَّارِ قَائِمٌ عَلَى قَدْمٍ وَسَاقٍ It is mentioned that this narration, what the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has highlighted here, has indeed occurred the following of them, the emulating and imitating of the Jews and the Christians has occurred. The imitation of the kuffar, it occurs. Right now it occurs even in 
minor affairs and major affairs, whatever those affairs may be, the people already in the past and now imitate the kuffar. And the reason why people imitate them is because they believe that the progress and the modernization and the intellect and the rationale and the logic is with the kuffar. They do things in a sensible way. They do things in a rational way. This is how Muslims think upon their misguided manner, as though the way of the kuffar is going to be superior to the way of what is in the sunnah. It cannot be, but this is the mind of the people. Al-Muqallid yara annahum ahlul uqul wa annahum ahlul taqaddum wal hadara fayuqalliduhum min ajli thalika. They believe that they are the ones, the kuffar, who have progressed and have modernized and have moved forward, developed. And we the Muslims are left behind, so they imitate the practices of the kuffar, believing that they will gain this development and this progress and this modernization. If they imitate the practices of the kuffar, وَهَذَا الْحَدِيثِ خَبَرٌ بِمَعْنَ النَّهِ This hadith, the Prophet ﷺ is informing us. It is information that this ummah will end up following the practices of those types of people. Will end up following the practices of the kuffar. It's information. But the hadith is not just for the sake of information. It is phrased as a statement, but the intent behind it is a prohibition. It is phrased as a statement, but the intent is a prohibition. Al-hadith khabar bima'na nafi. So the messenger is telling us this is going to happen. A piece of information. This ummah will end up following in the pathways of the disbelievers. But don't just leave it at that as a piece of information. Rather that information and that statement, the intent behind it is a prohibition that do not fall into that then. Do not fall into this affair are following and imitating the practices of the disbelievers. فَالْحَدِيثِ خَبَرْ بِمَعْنَ النَّهِ أَيْ لَا تَتَشَبَّهُوا بِهِمْ وَلَا تُقَلِّدُوهُمْ وَقَدْ جَاءَ النَّهِ عَنِ التَّشَبُّهِ بِهِمْ بِقَوْلِهِ لَا تَشَبَّهُوا بِالْيَهُودِ وَلَا بِالنَّصَارَى وَقَوْلِهِ مَنْ تَشَبَّهَ بِقَوْمٍ فَهُوَ مِنْهُمْ and there are clear narrations where the messenger highlighted this in one hadith la tashabbahu bil yahudi wa la bin nasara do not imitate the jews nor the christians and in the other famous hadith man tashabbaha bi qawmin fa huwa minhum 
Whomsoever imitates a people, then he is from them. Washahid min al hadith wadih. And the point of this narration is clear. Remember, the point of this narration is going to be connected to the chapter title, which was that some of this ummah will inevitably fall into shirk. So how is it connected? أَنَّهُ يَكُونُ فِي هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ مَنْ يَتَشَبَّهُ بِالْيَهُودُ وَالنَّصَارَى فِي كُلِّ شَيْءٍ وَالْيَهُودُ وَالنَّصَارَى يَعْمَلُونَ الشِّرْكِ فَلَا بُدَّ أَنْ يُوجَدَ فِي هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ مَنْ يَعْمَلُ الشِّرْكِ مِثْلَهُمْ سَوَاءً بِسَوَاءً So if we know now that there are going to be those from this ummah who imitate and follow in the footsteps of the Jews and Christians and Kuffar, then what is the affair of the Jews and the Christians and the Kuffar? Their affair is shirk. And so if some of this ummah is going to end up imitating and following in their footsteps, then they are going to end up into forms of shirk as they are upon they are going to end up into forms of shirk that the Jews and Christians and their likes are upon. Naam, al-Yahudu wal-Nasara banu ala al-Qubur. An example, the Jews and the Christians, they build their places of worship on top of graves in their churches. They have tombs in their churches. I've seen it with my own eyes. Walk into the entrance of a church, in once in another country, a, a several hundred years old church. At the entrance of the church, as you first walk in, large entrance, old 500 years old church, at the beginning of it, the first thing you come across is this tomb of one of their great so-called priests of the past. The tomb is in front of you first. Then you go past and go into the church. So they built their places of worship on top of the graves. فَيُوجَدُ فِي هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ مَنْ يَبْنِي عَلَى الْقُبُورِ تَشَبُّهًا بِهِمْ And so there are those from this ummah who will build their places of worship on top of the graves in imitation of them. And this is something known and it is something practiced without a doubt. وَالنَّصَارَ يَعْمَلُونَ عِيدَ الْمَوْلِدِ لِلْمَسِيحِ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ فَيُوجَدُ فِي هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ مَنْ يَعْمَلُ عِيدَ الْمَوْلِدِ لِمُحَمَّدِ صلى الله عليه وسلم تَشَبُّهًا بِالنَّصَارَ And the Christians, they celebrated the birthday of Isa salam, and so there are those from this ummah who imitate them and celebrate the birthday of the Prophet and that is something well known I recall a long time ago here in Manchester when we used to be here on the radio once in the Hadassage Road days on the radio once, there was a man, some, some uh, Muslim radio station, 
a man came on and it was around about either December time or maybe the time of Rabi' al-Awwal al-Thani. He comes on and he says, my evidence for celebrating the birthday of the Prophet wasallam is that if the Christians, they celebrate the birthday of Isa salam, do we not love Muhammad wasallam more? Are we going to let the Christians do all of that they do for Isa and we do nothing for Muhammad? We have to celebrate the birthday of the Prophet ﷺ. We must do it. They are doing it with Isa. Why are we not doing anything? So what is that other than 100% imitation of them in their practices? They are doing it. Why are we not doing it? Look at how they love their messenger. Look at what they do. And we do nothing. So now this imitation brings about this bid'ah amongst them in their claim that it is our love for the messenger. We love the messenger so we celebrate his birthday, they say. Rather, as the scholars have mentioned, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ فَاتَّبِعُونِي يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهُ وَيَغْهِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ Say that if you truly love Allah, then follow me. Follow me. Not innovate. Not bring about new practices and new worships as you claim. If you truly love Allah, then follow me. So this is from their imitation that they perform these acts. And as I've mentioned before, in my hometown, the mosque of the Sufis, if you come and you see a big mosque with a green dome, and they have the fairy lights, you call them, like the, the Christmas lights, those things, they have them all around the dome and all around the mosque, lit up with those fairy lights all over the place, to the extent on one occasion many years ago again, an old lady an old uh, Christian lady walking past, she said, what's going on in there? Are you having a do today? Is there some event going on? Is there something special? Is there a celebration? All these lights on the mosque? And those lights, where have they got this from? These fairy lights, putting them all around the dome, all around the mosque, all around the windows, on the outside. So you drive past and you see it all like that. All of these things from their imitation of what they see from the disbelievers. Kama wujida fil yahudi wal nasara man yahliqu lihyatahu wa yuwaffiru sharibahu fayujadu min hadhihi al umma man yahliqu lihyatahu wa yuwaffir sharibahu إلى غير ذلك من أنواع التشبه التي لا تحصى مصداقا لقوله من باب التحذير والنهي لا تتبعون صنن من كان قبلكم حذو القذة بالقذة حتى لو دخلوا جحر ضبنا دخلتموه Another example that Sheikh Al-Fawzan gives is that there are some from amongst the Jews and Christians and this was particularly known some centuries ago in certain lands, that some of the Jews and the Christians, their practice was to shave their beards 
and to grow out their mustaches. That was a practice known in some countries some centuries ago. The Jews and Christians, some of them would shave their beards and grow out their mustaches. And now what do you see from amongst many of the Muslims around the world, in many of the regions and many of the countries, that this is the style that they have adopted? The beards are shaved and the mustaches are big. And that is again perhaps from that imitation of the Jews and Christians who used to do that and perhaps still do. As a side point, Sharib, Man yahliqu lihyatahu wa yuwaffir sharibahu. As a side point, why do they call your mustache the Sharib? From Shariba Yashrabu to drink. What's that got to do with the mustache being called Sharib? <laughs> they say in the Arabic language, when you drink with a cup, where does the top of the cup go? Exactly on your mustache line. So that's why it's known as the Sharib. But nevertheless, here the Sheikh he mentions that the imitation occurs in these affairs and other affairs. And that is what the Prophet ﷺ informed us of, that you will imitate them to the level that if they go into the hole of a lizard, you would follow them into that. فَالشَّاهِدُ مِنْهُ أَنَّهُ لَا بُدَّ أَنْ يُوجَدَ فِي هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ مَنْ يَتَشَبَّهُ بِالْيَهُودِ وَالنَّصَارَى فِي الشِّرْكِ بِاللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ So the point is, there are going to be those from this ummah who will imitate the Jews and the Christians in falling into practices of shirk. كَمَا أَنَّهُمْ Just as they, the Jews and Christians, اتَّخَذُوا أَحْبَارَهُمْ وَرُهْبَانَهُمْ أَرْبَابًا مِّن دُونِ اللَّهِ وَالْمَسِيحَ بْنَ مَرْيَمُ so just as they took their rabbis and monks as gods besides Allah and Isa, the son of Maryam, فَلَا أَنْ يُوجَدَ فِي هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ مَنْ يَغْلُوا بِالْأَئِمَّةِ وَيَتَّخِذُهُمْ أَرْبَابًا مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ كَمَا عِنْدَ الصُّوفِيَّةِ الَّذِينَ يَتَّخِذُونَ رُؤَسَاءَ الطُّرُقِ والمشايخ أرباب من دون الله ويحللون ويحرمون ويقولون المريد ينبغي أن يكون مع الشيخ كالميت بين يدي غاسله. So just like that in this ummah there will be people just like those Christians and Jews. Who exaggerated and took their rabbis and monks as gods besides Allah. And what is the meaning of them taking them as gods besides Allah? We did it in the hadith of Adi ibn Hatim. Adi ibn Hatim, when he heard that, he said to the messenger, but we never, he used to be Christian, he said, but we never used to take our uh, monks as gods. But then the messenger said to him, did they not used to? Make halal that which Allah made haram and you would follow them and obey them in that? And did they not used to make haram what Allah made halal and you would 
follow them in that? That is you taking them as arbab, as gods beside Allah. And so in this ummah, there will be people who likewise fall into ghulu, excessiveness and exaggeration in their imams, in their sheikhs, until they raise them to that kind of level, that they tell them something is halal and they follow it blindly. Even if it is an opposition to what is clear, they tell them something is haram and they follow it blindly. Even if it is in opposition to what is clear. And that is known, the Shaykh says, from the likes of the Sufis. The Sufis, they take their Shaykhs as uh, raised in that manner, like gods besides Allah. Meaning their Shaykhs, they tell them what is halal, what is haram. And they do exactly what their Shaykhs tell them, regardless of whether the evidences are in opposition to that or not. And they say amongst themselves that the murid يَنْبَغِي أَنْ يَكُونَ مَعَ الشَّيْخِ كَالْمَيِّتْ بَيْنَ يَدِي That the follower must behave with his shaykh as though you are a dead body, a corpse. And the shaykh is the person washing you. Meaning when somebody dies and you do the ghusl for that person, that person, he, he is just now a body. And you're doing the washing on that person. So you are in control of everything over that person, over that body. You want to wash the arm, you move the arm, you move the hand. You do what you want. You are in control of that corpse. They say that's how you should be before your shaykh. He is the one who controls you completely. He is the one that orders you, commands you, tells you do this, do that. You do it. Just like a corpse behaves with the one washing it. And the behavior of the corpse with the one washing it is that the corpse is 100% submissive because the corpse is a corpse. It does nothing. It does exactly what the one washing it does to it. If the one washing it moves the arm, moves the leg, the corpse moves. So they say behave like that. Behave like a corpse in front of your shaykh. Whatever he tells you, be quiet and do it. It's like they say in English, if they tell you to jump, you just say, how high? Tell me. <laughs> not anything else, not why. Jump, what do you mean? A'udhu billah. They tell you to jump, you say, how high, shaykh? Tell me how high shall I jump? How many times shall I jump? This is the way that they tell you to behave and this is the exaggeration, the excessiveness, the ghulu that we already spoke about in the chapters before that the Sufis have with their mashaykh. kathira. <coughs> So what do we understand from these texts? Al-Mas'alatul Ula Fil-Ayatul Ula Dalilun ala anna min al-Yahudi wal-Nasara Man yu'minun bil-Jibti wal-Taghut Al-Ladhi huwa al-Shirk wal-Sihr wal-Kihan wal-Tira Wal-Tanjim wal-Hukm bi-Ghayri ma anzal Allah Fasayujadu fi hadhihi al-Ummah 
من يؤمن بالجبت والطاغوت تشبها بهم so we know that the Jews and the Christians they believe in al-jibt and taghut and we spoke about that last time that is the magic and the sorcery and the fortune telling and the evil suspicions and omens and all of that type of affair so there are going to be people in this ummah who also fall into those beliefs fall into those beliefs of magic and sorcery etc and the other chapters coming up next. Al-Mas'alatu thaniya fil ayah dalilun ala anna al-muwafaqah lahum fil-zahir tusamma imanan walaw lam yuwafiqhum fil-baatin li-anna al-yahuda lamma qalu kuffara Quraysh antum ahda min al-lazina amanu sabila هم في الباطن يعتقدون بطلان هذا الكلام لكنهم وافقوهم في الظاهر ليحصلوا على مناصرتهم, مناصرتهم لهم ومع هذا سمى الله هذا إيمانا بالجبت والطاغوت That imitation openly and outwardly then that takes the ruling even if inwardly you are not upon that uh, belief. Outwardly expressing that and conforming to it and practicing it, then that is you imitating those people even if you say inside, but I don't this and I don't that. You are imitating them and making their practices and performing what they do. And that is the example given what we covered last time regarding the Jews and the Mushrikeen. فالذي نعم المسألة الثالثة في الآية الثانية بيان أن في أهل الكتاب من عبد الطاغوت بمعنى أنه دعا غير الله أو ذبح لغير الله أو نذر لغير الله فلا بد أن يكون في هذه الأمة من يعبد الطاغوت تشبها بهم. So these ayat, they all have that similar meaning that the Jews and the Christians, they fell into shirk and there are going to be those from this ummah who imitate them step by step, imitating, imitating, imitating until they end up in practices of shirk as they are upon practices of shirk. Then the next hadith, وَلِمُسْلِمْ عَنْ ثَوْبَانِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهِ أَنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ قَالْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ زَوَى لِيَ الْأَرْضِ فَرَأَيْتُ مَشَارِقَهَا وَمَغَارِبَهَا وَإِنَّ أُمَّتِي سَيَبْلُغُ مُلْكُهَا مَا زُوِّيَ لِي مِنْهَا وَأُعْطِيتُ الْكَنْزَيْنِ الْأَحْمَرْ وَالْأَبْيَضْ وَإِنِّي سَأَلْتُ رَبِّي لِأُمَّتِي أَلَّا يُهْلِكَهَا بِسَنَةٍ بِعَامَّةٍ وَأَنْ لَا يُسَلِّطَ عَلَيْهِمْ عَدُوًّا مِنْ سِوَى أَنْفُسِهِمْ فَيَسْتَبِيحُ بَيْضَتُهُمْ وَإِنَّ رَبِّي قَالْ يَا مُحَمَّدْ إِنِّي إِذَا قَضَيْتُ قَضَاءً فَإِنَّهُ لَا يُرَدْ 
وَإِنِّي أَعْطَيْتُكَ لِأُمَّتِكَ أَلَّا أُهْلِكَهُمْ بِسَنَةٍ بِعَامَّةٍ وَأَلَّا أُسَلِّطَ عَلَيْهِمْ عَدُوًّا مِنْ سِوَى أَنْفُسِهِمْ فَيَسْتَبِيحُ غَيْضَتَهُمْ وَلَوْ اجْتَمَعَ عَلَيْهِمْ مَنْ بِأَقْطَارِهَا حَتَّى يَكُونَ بَعْضُهُمْ يُهْلِكُ بَعْضًا وَيَسْبِي بَعْضُهُمْ بَعْضًا رواه البرقاني في صحيحه وزاد وإنما أخاف على أمتي الأئمة المضلين وإذا وضع عليهم السيف لم يرفع إلى يوم القيامة ولا تقوم الساعة حتى يلحق حي من أمتي بالمشركين وحتى تعبد فئام من أمتي الأوثان وإنه سيكون في أمتي كذابون ثلاثون كلهم يزعم أنه نبي وأنا خاتم النبيين لا نبي بعدي ولا تزال طائفة من أمتي على الحق منصورة لا يضرهم من خذلهم ولا من خالفهم حتى يأتي أمر الله تبارك وتعالى So then here in this hadith of Thawbal <coughs> رضي الله عنه that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said that Allah سبحانه وتعالى folded up the earth for me and so I saw the east of it and the west of it and the kingdom or the the kingdom of my ummah will reach to the extent of what was folded up for me so if we go through this section by section at the beginning then the narration itself is from thawban and he is mawla rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam the freed slave of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He said that the messenger said, Inna Allah al-ard, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala folded the earth for me, combined and put together the edges of the earth for me, until it became a small size. Yara nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam atrafahu ma bu'd, منها ما بعد منها وما قرب والله قادر على كل شيء. So the Prophet sallallahu saw the edges, the edges that are distant and the areas that are close. يرى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم طرافه ما بعده منها وما قرب أو أو أن المراد والله أعلم أنه قوى بصر رسول رسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم فصار يرى كل الأرض مشارقها ومغاربها. The alternative meaning could be the first meaning that Allah gathered together the edges of the earth such that even the distant areas, the distant edges were visible to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم from the east and the west of the earth. And the other meaning is that the edges were not gathered and moved in any way, but that the eyesight of the Prophet ﷺ was strengthened at that time 
such that he could see to the east and to the west of the earth. So both have been mentioned. كَمَا حَصَلَ لَهُ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ لَمَّا سَأَلَهُ الْمُشْرِكُونَ عَنْ بَيْتِ الْمَقْدِسِ حَيْثُ قَوَّى بَصَرَ رَسُولِهِ فَصَارَ يَنْظُرُ إِلَى بَيْتِ الْمَقْدِسِ وَهُوَ فِي مَكَّةِ يَخْطُبُ فِي الْمُشْرِكِينَ وَيَصِفُ لَهُمُ الْمَسْجِدِ عَنْ مُعَايَنَةِ وَمُشَاهَدَةِ حَتَّى ذَكَرَ لَهُمْ عَلَامَاتِهِ وَالْأَشْيَاءِ الَّتِي يَعْرِفُونَهَا فِيهِ وَحَتَّى إِنَّهُ أَخْبَرَهُمْ عَنْ عِيرِهِمْ عَنْ عِيرِهِمْ الَّتِي فِي الطَّرِيقِ الَّتِي كَانُوا يَنْتَظِرُونَهَا so it is possible that the eyesight of the Prophet ﷺ was strengthened at that time such that he could see to the east and to the west of the earth. And that is possible. There's an example of that in the seerah where on one occasion the mushrikun, they were questioning and testing the Prophet ﷺ regarding Baytul Maqdis. And they were in Mecca, and they were testing him about Baytul Maqdis. And so the Prophet ﷺ on that occasion, his eyesight was strengthened to the extent that he could see to Baytul Maqdis. And so he was explaining to the mushrikun, he was explaining and describing to them regarding Baytul Maqdis from the physical vision he was seeing and looking at with his eyesight that had been strengthened for him to see from Makkah to Baytul Maqdis, Palestine, all the way there. And he was describing to them the, the description of that. And to the extent he even told them where their caravan was, the caravan, a large group of their people, uh, with horses and other things in a big caravan, they were traveling from that direction. He told them exactly whereabouts they are en route. From the strength Allah had given him in the eyesight at that time. So that is possibly the meaning of this narration, that the edges of the earth were folded for me. Could be in the first meaning that they were folded, such that he could see them all. And the other meaning, they were not folded like that, but his eyesight was strengthened such that it's as though they were folded. He could see all the way to the east and all the way to the west. <coughs> so he says, So I saw the east and the west. So he saw the east and the west and the combination of that with the, the stars that you have above the many stars that occur from the sides. And he saw all of that. And then he mentions my ummah. It will have the kingdom to the extent that it was folded for me, to the extent that his sight was made to be able to see. وَلَمْ يَذْكُرْ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ الشَّمَالُ وَالْجُنُوبُ 
The Prophet ﷺ didn't mention in the narration the north and the south. The east and the west are mentioned, but the north and the south was not. لم يذكر الشمال والجنوب من الأرض لقلة سكانها ولأن هذا لم تبلغه الفتوحات وإنما الفتوحات امتدت من الشرق إلى المغرب من المشرق إلى المغرب <coughs> So الشيخ الفوزان says one of the reasons why north and south was not mentioned but east and west was mentioned is because the population of the earth it spreads in that linear fashion east to west but the northern extremes and the southern extremes do not have population of people. The north and the south, the poles and the arctic and those areas now you see that those areas to the north and to the south, that's not where the population of people is, but the population of people spreads east to west upon the earth. So perhaps that is the reason this was mentioned and the north and the south was not mentioned. And also perhaps because at that time when Islam spread from the Arabian Peninsula, it spread to the east and the west. It spread eastwardly and westwardly, not north and south, but in a linear fashion. And so perhaps that is the reason why it was mentioned as east and west also. وَإِنَّ أُمَّتِي سَيَبْلُغُ مُنْكُهَا هَذَا خَبَرٌ عَنِ الْمُسْتَقْبَلِ وَهُوَ لَا يَنْطِقُ عَنِ الْهَوَى صلى الله عليه وسلم ففيه دليل من أدلة نبوته صلى الله عليه وسلم and he mentioned that the kingdom of my ummah meaning the spread of my ummah will occur across all of that area that has been shown to me and that is something which would occur in the future from the time of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and so this would be from the signs of prophethood that the Prophet ﷺ is informing us of something that is going to happen in the future had not happened yet at his time. والدليل الثاني نعم فيه دليل من أدلة نبوته الدليل الأول زوي الأرض له so there are two points of evidence highlighting the prophethood of the messenger in this hadith. One is this, that he informed us in the future, the ummah will spread to the east and the west like that. And secondly, the very fact that the east and the west, they were shown to him, either that they were gathered together from their edges, or that his eyesight was empowered to the level that he could see both of those then are signs upon the prophethood. وَقَدْ وَقَعَ كَمَا أَخْبَرَ And then it occurred exactly as the Prophet ﷺ told us. فَانْتَشَرَتِ الْفُتُوحَاتِ فِي عَهْدِ الْخُلَفَاءِ الرَّاشِدِينَ وَخُلَفَاءِ بَنِي أُمَيَّةِ وَبَنِي الْعَبَّاسِ حَتَّى سقطت دولة الفرس بالمشرق وسقطت دولة الروم بالمغرب <coughs> and so then 
exactly as the Prophet wasallam said, this ummah will spread to the east and to the west. That's exactly how it occurred. So to the east, the Persians were defeated. And to the west of the Arabian Peninsula, the Romans were defeated. And those kingdoms they fell. وَامْتَدَّ سُلْطَانُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ فِي الشَّرْقِ إِلَىٰ أَنْ وَصَلَ السِّنْدِ وَفِي الْمَغْرِبِ إِلَىٰ أَنْ وَصَلَ إِلَىٰ طَنْجَةِ فِي أَقْصَ الْمَغْرِبِ So then the Shaykh mentions, Islam conquered and spread until it reached, what is these days, India, to the areas of India, Sindh, up to those areas beyond the Arabian Peninsula that way, and to the west, Islam spread to what is current-day Morocco, to those edges of uh, Africa, to uh, Tangiers, to those areas. The Sheikh says, in fact, Islam in history, we know that it spread all throughout the area of Spain and up until it reached the Alps of the French regions, what is now France, to the areas of those regions close to France, the empire, the, the Islamic conquering had occurred up to there. To the extent then, those areas of Spain, Andalus, they were taken over also and conquered by the Muslims at that time. And that's why to this day in Spain, in those areas, you see those mosques, centuries old. And Gibraltar. They call Gibraltar because... Gibraltar, what do you call Gibraltar in Arabic? Jabal Tariq. Jabal Tariq, the mountain of Tariq, Gibraltar, from the conquering that occurred at that time. وَهَذَا مِصْدَاقٌ لِخَبَرِهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ I've always wondered as well, Allah alam, the linguists here can tell us about these affairs. In the Spanish language, which is different to the other European languages, they have the letter THA, which has always amazed me. They have the letter THA from the Arabic language, the THA. And perhaps Allah Ta'ala A'lam, those who are aware of those things, they can inform us, is that something from the remnants of the Arabic language that was perhaps known to them in centuries ago? Because like they say, the numbering system, the numbering system, they say, that was from the trade that occurred between the Arabs and the other countries, the subcontinental areas, and other areas, and that these numbers were originally Arabic, the English ones, etc. So there are those affairs that can occur too. But the point is, the Ummah and the conquering spread all the way to those Spanish and French bordering areas. And so the Messenger said, وَإِنَّ أُمَّتِي سَيَبْلُغُ مُلْكُهَا مَا زَوَالِي مِنْهَا That the Ummah will spread, its kingdom will spread to the extent of what was folded for me. And then he mentioned, And I was given the two treasures. I was given the two treasures. The red and the white. 
and that is in reference to actually gold and silver. Al-Murad will contain Al-Amwal Al-Nafisa, Al-Ahmar Al-Dhahb, Wal-Abyad Al-Fidwa, Wahada Ibara An Amwal Al-Furs, Warum, Fa'amwal Al-Furs, Min Al-Dhahb, Wa'amwal Al-Rum, Min Al-Fidwa, Aw Al-Aks, Qawlani Fil Mas'ala. So when it says in the hadith that the conquering of the Muslims will spread to all of those lands, to the east and to the west, and it occurred. And then the messenger said, the two treasures will be given to me, the gold and the silver. And they say, the scholars, that is exactly what occurred. Because the Persians used to use gold, and the Romans used to use silver, or the opposite in one of the two ways, but it was one of the two gold and one of the two silver. So when those lands and those nations were conquered, then that gold and silver came into the possession of the Muslims. وَقَدْ وَقَعَ مَا أَخْبَرَ بِهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ فَقَجِيءَ بِأَمْوَالِ الْفُرْسِ وَالْرُومِ فِي خِلَافَةِ عُمَرِ بْنِ الْخَطَّابِ وَوُزِّعَتْ بَيْنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ فِي الْمَدِينَةِ حتى إنه جيء بتاج كسرى الذي يلبسه على رأسه وجيء بسواريه الذين يلبسهما في يديه وهذا مصداق ما أخبر به صلى الله عليه وسلم And it's mentioned that at the time of the Khilafah of Umar ibn al-Khattab Of course when you look into the seerah after the death of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then it was Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiyallahu But then after his death, he was the Khalifa for two years. Then after his death, Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhu, during his Khilafah, there were a lot of conquests that occurred. And during his Khilafah, the wealth of the Persians and the Romans was brought forth back to Medina to the extent it is mentioned that the crown of the Caesar the crown of the Caesar and his bracelets they were brought back uh, to Medina and so this is in affirmation of the statement of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that he was given the gold and the silver after the conquest of those areas then he says, وَإِنِّي سَأَلْتُ رَبِّي لِأُمَّتِي That I made dua, I asked my Lord for my ummah, in compassion for the ummah. The Prophet ﷺ, from his compassionate nature, he made dua to Allah for this ummah. إِنِّي سَأَلْتُ رَبِّي لِأُمَّتِي يعني من شفقته صلى الله عليه وسلم بأمته أن لا يهلكها بسنة بعامة المراد الجد أي لا يعم الجد والقحط كل بلاد المسلمين فتهلك أموالهم وزروعهم وما يأكلون منه So the point here is that the messenger made dua that Allah does not destroy all of the Muslim lands by a generalized drought and famine. 
by a generalized drought or famine. And so this is the dua that the Prophet ﷺ made because if that drought or that famine, it spreads across all of the region and there is no water and there are no crops, then all of those people are destroyed. All of them, death comes to them. And so the Messenger made dua that this does not occur, that all of the Muslim Ummah is not overtaken by that drought or famine. فَدَعَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ رَبَّهُ أَنْ لَا يُنْزِلَ الْجَدْبِ وَالْقَحْبِ عَلَى أُمَّةِ مُحَمَّدٍ كُلِّهِمْ لِأَنَّهُ إِذَا نَزَلَ بِهِمْ كُلِّهِمْ هَلَكُوا So the Prophet ﷺ made dua that the famine and the drought does not overcome the whole of the ummah. Because if it overcame the whole of the ummah, then all of them would die from that. So then after that he also made dua وَقَوْلُهُ وَأَلَّا يُسَلِّطَ عَلَيْهِمْ عَدُوًّا مِنْ سِوَى أَنفُسِهِمْ يعني من الكفار لا يسلط الكفار على المسلمين And so the Prophet ﷺ also made dua that the kuffar do not or are not given the ability to completely overwhelm and overcome the Muslim Ummah. That the Kuffar are not given the ability to take the sovereignty from all of the Muslim Ummah. أو المراد بالبيضة اجتماع الكلمة والمعنى عام ومعناه لا يستبيح بلادهم جماعتهم. So the Prophet ﷺ made dua that the kuffar are not given authority over the whole of the Muslim ummah that they overwhelm and overtake their lands and they they violate their lands and seize their lands. That they do not give this or are given this power that they can overwhelm and override and seize all of the Muslim Ummah. وَإِنَّ رَبِّي قَالْ And so then after the Prophet ﷺ made this dua, it mentions in the hadith that my Lord said, يَا مُحَمَّدْ هَذِهِ إِجَابَةُ اللَّهِ لِدَعْوَةِ رَسُولِهِ so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala replies and responds to the dua of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. إِنِّي إِذَا قَضَيْتُ قَضَاءً فَلَا يُرَدْ That if I decree, preordain a decree, then it cannot be rebuffed. If I preordain a decree, then it cannot be rebuffed, it cannot be pushed aside, it will occur. So the point of that section of the hadith is to highlight 
that the decree of Allah will occur. Ma sha Allahu kan wa ma lam yasha lam yakun. Whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees, then it will occur. And what He does not decree, then it will not occur. So here it mentions, if I decree an affair, then nobody can rebuff that affair. Nobody can reject or turn away that decree. And so Allah responded to the dua of the messenger and said that I have given you for your ummah that I will not destroy them by a generalized and widespread drought and famine. استجاب الله الدعوة الأولى مطلقا وأنه سبحانه لا ينزل قحطا عاما للبلاد كلها وإنما ينزل القحط في بعض البلاد دون بعض بخلاف الأمم السابقة فإن الله ينزل القحط العام عليهم فيضرهم سو Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to the messenger, or the response given was, that he would not overcome the whole of the ummah with a famine and drought and they are all destroyed. And this is contrary to what used to happen to the previous nations. The previous nations when the adab of Allah came, they would all be destroyed. But here the dua of the messenger was answered and Allah responded that the whole of the ummah would not be destroyed in that way. Perhaps some countries, they would have famine and some countries they would have drought, but it would not be a widespread generalized matter upon all of the ummah. But that occurred previously. It occurred previously at the time of Pharaoh أَمَّ هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ لِكَرَامَتِهَا عَلَى اللَّهِ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُنَزِّلْ عَلَيْهَا الْقَحْطَ الْعَامِ So because of the nobility of this ummah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not send upon them a generalized drought that overwhelms all of the ummah. So then also at the end here, أَلَّا أُسَلِّطَ عَلَيْهِمْ عَدُوًّا مِنْ سِوَى أَنفُسِهِمْ فَيَسْتَبِيحَ بَيْضَتَهُمْ وَلَوْ اجْتَمَعَ عَلَيْهِمْ مَنْ بِأَقْطَارِهَا حَتَّى يَكُونَ بَعْضُهُمْ يُهْلِكُ بَعْضًا وَيُسْبِي بَعْضُهُمْ بَعْضًا So then also Allah mentions, or the response of Allah is, that I will not allow a foreign enemy outside of the Muslims to overwhelm and overcome and seize all of the ummah, to seize all of the lands and all of this ummah and to put them under their authority. Even if all of the people they gathered together from the different lands, then Allah informs the messenger that it will not be the case that those kuffar can seize authority over all of this ummah until they destroy all of this ummah حَتَّى يَكُونَ بَعْضُهُمْ يُهْلِكُ بَعْضًا وَيَسْبِي بَعْضُهُمْ بَعْضًا And then perhaps some of them they will destroy others and some of them will take captives of others. 
استجاب الله له الدعوة الثانية استجاب معلقة The first part about not destroying the whole ummah under a drought or famine that was answered The ummah will not be destroyed completely upon drought and famine that was answered absolutely The second part is answered partially in a manner that is conditional or attached to some other affair. Yani, and the point is, Madamat ummatuka mushtami'a ala al-haq, kalimatuha wahida, fa inna allaha la yusallitu alayhim aduwa min al-kuffar. That as long as the ummah remains united upon one word, then the enemy from the kuffar will not overcome the whole of the ummah. أَمَّا إِذَا حَصَلَ فِي الْأُمَّةِ افْتِرَاقُ كَلِمَةِ وَحَصَلَ بَيْنَهُمْ قِتَالٍ فِيمَا بَيْنَهُمْ وَسَبَى بَعْضُهُمْ بَعْضًا فَحِينَ إِذِنْ يُعَاقِبُهُمُ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ وَيُسَلِّطُ عَلَيْهِمْ الْكُفَّارِ But if this ummah splits and they begin fighting one another and taking captives of one another and those affairs occur between them and splitting and differing occurs then in that circumstance Allah may send a punishment whereby some of them are overtaken and overwhelmed and fall under the authority of the kuffar walaw عَلَيْهِمْ مَنْ بِأَقْطَارِهَا يعني إذا اجتمعت كلمة المسلمين ولم يكن بينهم اختلاف ولا تقاتل فيما بينهم فلو اجتمع أهل الأرض كلهم على قتال المسلمين أو أراد سلب شيء من ملكهم فلن يستطيعوا that as long as the Muslims they remain united the ummah remains united upon one word and they do not differ between themselves, and they do not fight between themselves, and they are united, then even if all of the other kuffar upon the earth united to come upon the ummah, they would not be able to take authority upon the ummah. <laughs> But if the ummah splits and fighting occurs between them and they take the wealth of each other, then Allah sends punishment upon them and allows the kuffar to overwhelm some of them. And this is exactly what happened as well. This happened exactly like that. فَإِنَّهُ لَمَّا كَانَتِ الْأُمَّ مُجْتَمِعَةِ فِي عَهْدِ أَبِي بَكْرَ الصِّدِّيقِ وَعُمَرَ بْنِ الْخَطَّابِ وَأَوَّلْ خِلَافَةِ أَمِيرِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ عِثْمَانِ وَسُلْطَانِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ ظَاهِرِ فِي الْأَرْضِ قَدْ خَافَتْهُمُ الْأُمَمُ فَصَارَ الْكُفَّارُ يُخَافُونَ مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ When it was the Khilafah of Abu Bakr al-Siddiq and the Khilafah of Umar ibn al-Khattab and the beginning of the Khilafah of Uthman radiallahu anhum, the authority of the Muslims upon the land was clear. And the other nations, they feared the Muslims. 
and the kuffar, they were in fear of the Muslims. But then, لَمَّا وَقَعَتِ الْفِتْنَةِ بَيْنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ فِي خِلَافَةِ عُثْمَانِ رضي الله عنه بسبب اليهودي الذي ادعى الإسلام وهو عبد الله بن سبأ اليماني وصار يحرض المسلمين على الخليفة عثمان ذي النورين رضي الله عنه واجتمع حوله من الأوباش وضعاف الإيمان من الشباب الطائش اجتمعوا على هذه الطاغية وفي النهاية حاصروا عثمان رضي الله عنه وقتلوه ولما قتلوا عثمان عاقب الله المسلمين فجعل بأسهم بينهم وسلط عليهم عدوهم So then at the time of Uthman رضي الله عنه later on in his خلافة when the fitna began at the hands of the Jew who claimed to be upon Islam, Abdullah ibn Sabah al-Yamani, he began to incite the disbelievers, began to incite the Muslims upon and against the Khalifa Uthman radiallahu And so the weak and feeble and the ones with little intellect, the likes of those from the youth and from others, they gathered around him and they gathered around Abdullah ibn Sabah until in the end, as you know in the seerah, they all gathered and they uh, surrounded Uthman radiallahu anh and they killed him. So when they killed him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed a form of punishment upon the Muslims and made their affair of clashing between themselves. That Allah then decreed the Muslims as a form of punishment that they then clashed against themselves thereafter and the fitan they occurred at the time of Ali radiallahu anhu onwards. So then at that time, some of the enemies were able to gain authority over the Muslims. So in the early stages, Abu Bakr, Umar, and at the beginning of the Khilaf of Uthman, عنهم, the strength of the Ummah was clear. And the Kuffar, they feared the Muslims. But then upon the death of Uthman, عنه, then after that, the clash occurred between the Muslims. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed that some of them or some forms of the kuffar overwhelming them occurred. وَمَا زَالَتِ الْمُدَاوَلَاتُ وَالْحُرُوبِ بَيْنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ بَعْضُهُمْ مَعْبَعْضُ وَبَيْنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَالْكُفَّارِ And then from that time onwards, from that time onwards, the infighting and the clashes, they've occurred between the Muslims. And of course, between the Muslims and the non-Muslims too. صحيح أنه قامت دولة بني أمية بعد ذلك وانتشر الإسلام ودولة بن العباس ولكن لم تخل الأمة من اقتتال ومن فتن فيما بينها. After Ali رضي الله عنه, the Islamic Ummah still spread and there were still conquests and there was still a lot of good that occurred. But the point is, in all of that time afterwards, there was always some element of infighting and clashing and differences occurring. 
It all continued from that moment onwards. Uh, and so the Sheikh mentions multiple other examples. Uh, he mentions the history of how the Tatars, they came and they conquered Baghdad and they took that from the Muslims. And those affairs, they are all in the books of history. He mentions other examples of Spain, etc. But the point there is that when the Muslims were united and together and no differing between them, they had the strength and the authority. But when the splitting and differing occurred between themselves, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed that some weakness fell into this ummah and the kuffar. They began to take some authority. وَإِذَا وُضِعَ عَلَيْهِمُ السَّيْفِ لَمْ يُرْفَعْ إِلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ كَذَلِكَ خَافَ عَلَيْهِمُ النَّبِيِّ صلى الله عليه وسلم أَنَّهُ إِذَا بَدَأَ الْقِتَالِ بَيْنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ فَإِنَّهُ لَا يُرْفَعُ إِلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ so the Prophet feared that if the infighting occurred between the Muslims, then it would never stop up until Yawmul Qiyamah. So these are affairs that are mentioned, but the point is at the end. All of that hadith, it is to get to this point. The purpose of the hadith is this line now. And that is the line where the messenger said, the hour will not be established until a living person from my ummah will join up with the mushrikun. And that is the chapter. There are going to be those from my ummah who fall into the worship of the idols. And so the messenger said, there are going to be those from my ummah who join up with the mushrikun. Al-muradu bihi al-qabila. Wa ma'na yal-haq yatba' imma bi'an yadhabu ila biladihim wa yaskunu ma'ahum. And one of the meanings the sheikh says, of when the messenger said, there will be those from my ummah who go join up with the mushrikeen, one of the meanings of it is that my ummah people from it, the Muslims, will go and live in the lands of the kuffar amongst the kuffar. As a meaning of, there will be those from my ummah who join up with them. That they go and live in their lands, the lands of kuffar, in amongst the kuffar. بأن يبقوا في بلاد المسلمين ولكن يكونون على منهج الكفار ويرتدون عن الإسلام. Or even it can mean those Muslims who remain in the lands of Islam, but as we said before, they imitate the disbelievers, they imitate the kufar, and so they are upon their practices. I was attempting to finish, but I think it's going to become too long. So we'll stop on that point for today. We'll finish off the last section of the hadith, which is regarding the people who falsely claimed to be prophets after the Prophet ﷺ in the narration where it mentions how there will be 30 liars, all of them claiming that they are a prophet. That is the section we'll pick up from. 
next week, insha'Allah ta'ala. And then uh, once we finish that section, the chapter after that is going to be the chapter on magic. What is magic? What is the definition of magic? Magic is real. And so we will explain the definition of what magic is, how magic is, what it does, how they do it, various types of things related to magic and the definitions of magic. Uh, that's what we'll begin with then after we finish this final section next week. وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم